This podcast is brought to you by Gridiron Heroics Media. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Welcome, one and all, to the Gridiron Heroics Football Show. I'm Max Dean. You can find me on Twitter at TheMaxDean, and today is our Pick'em Show. So we are going to pick every single game against the spread for this Sunday's slate of NFL football. But of course, before that, we're going to do a little bit of news with Julius Lux, and we are going to also recap the Thursday night game with Dave Guberman. Julius, how are you today? Did the Yankees win? We're coming to you straight after the game. So I honestly don't know the answer to this question. They did not win. So not too good. Uh, <laughs> so down so 2-0. That, uh, yeah. Best of seven far. series. Yeah. So I'm hoping they can win on Saturday. So that way when I go Sunday, it's not a uh, facing elimination game. And then if I have to see them get eliminated, that would be an all-time low for me. But outside of the baseball playoffs, I can't complain. Every all the it's good to see all four sports going on at once. That was really neat to see. So other than that, I'm well. How about you? I'm good. I'm doing well. Uh, we are coming to you straight at the end of the the Saints game at this exact moment. So as far as I know, I walked away with third and nine or fourth and nine with about fifty seconds left in the game. So technically, the Saints could score on basically a Hail Mary, get an onside kick, and somehow score. But I'm assuming that didn't happen. If it is, should I, if it spoil, did, should I spoil it for you? Uh, if you already know the answer, then I know. I know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump right into the news. Not too many items today, but definitely a big one to lead things off. What do you have for us? It be, it be, it be. Yeah, so this piece of news, swear to God, came five minutes right before we hopped on the air. And um, now that you're listening a day later from a recording, you know exactly what we're talking about. Christian McCaffrey is headed to San Francisco. The 49ers acquire Christian McCaffrey. The Panthers get a 2023 second, third, and fourth round pick as well as a fifth rounder in 2024. So four draft picks, including three straight rounds in next year's draft. Um, do I think this was a mistake? Kind of, yeah. It's very exciting. I know 49ers <laughs> fans don't want to hear that. I, re- I know. Go through the compensation one more time. It's a second, a third, a fourth in 2023 and then a, and then a fifth and then, in 2024. They don't even have a first round pick because the, the Dolphins have it. So they're the going Trey Lance trade. four. So they're going four rounds, no picks. They might have a comp pick. I'm not sure. But, um, but yes, like that's. Dude, I, I don't like it. I'm sorry. I don't. That's way too many picks for Ooh. an often injured. Uh, too many. It's, hot it's too take, many hot picks take. for, a, for a, a running back who's hurt all the time. I mean, this is like a, a one season all in thing. If what what if Christian McCaffrey 
gets hurt next week. Where are you then? And you already have Elijah Mitchell who's out for quite some time. I mean, I understand. I don't know how I feel about this quite yet. I mean, I'm on the same boat <laughs> as you, but at the same time, I'm kind of excited to see this. And I, I, I think this was probably the best possible offer they were going to get from McCaffrey, so they just pulled the trigger right away. I wasn't expecting yeah. a trade to go down, honestly, this soon. I cannot believe that they got this package for Christian McCaffrey. With the, with the price of his contract, the fact that he's injured all the time, I, this is... Look, I understand from a schematic perspective how incredibly well he fits into their system. I really, I really do. It's going to look awesome when he's out there. I get it. I'm not, I'm not going to deny that at all. But that is a massive haul to give up. And because, look, I would rather give up a single first-round pick than a second, a third, and a fourth, and a fifth. Because, I don't know. Yeah, that's just too many. It's just too many picks. That's like that's how you build the depth of your roster. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I totally get that. For uh, for for me, one thing I'm big on, especially in all sports, mostly baseball and of course football, and you know, basketball is a little easier because the rosters are a little smaller. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm a big person in prospects or suspects, meaning they they aren't nothing until they got, they get on the field and prove what they are. Now, obviously you're 100% on with the depth because this is three rounds and now possibly four if they don't have a comp first-round pick, four, possibly four rounds of missing on, you know, filling in, you know, necessary positions that they need. Um, you know, they've had some injuries this year. You can draft an O-line. They could probably maybe possibly draft a backup quarterback to Trey Lance if they're not going to keep Jimmy G. Like, you got you, – you're, you're, you're gambling big time. Like, this is putting your cards all in as much as it gets. And for the Panthers, I think this is solid for them because as I mentioned last week, I mean, not last week, last episode with the Robbie Anderson thing, the, uh, the, the owner was like, we need five, six years to rebuild. And this is a pretty solid start in terms of getting four draft picks. And if they hit, if they hit on all four of these picks, as well as their own picks, I mean, Carolina could be, you know, a solid that could be a solid rebuild plan it's just a matter of you know you got to hit those draft picks yeah they're probably going to have a high enough pick for a quarterback and then a whole bunch of additional late round picks or middle round picks so all right that i think that can uh summarize the conversation on on christian mccaffrey (laughs) it it was a big one but i think i want to stew on it for a day but my initial reaction is that's too big of a price to pay especially with the money involved and everything so all right what else you you got to sleep on one of those yeah. things you just got to sleep on. Yeah, I totally yeah. understand because, like, like we mentioned, this is this happened like five, ten minutes before we recorded. So this is like, what are you, this is right on the right on the spot. But moving on, Mac Jones expects to be ready for their Monday night matchup against the Chicago Bears. He has been inactive for the past three games. Bailey Zapp, of course, has been starting the last two games, and he's done fairly well. Uh, the Patriots are optimistic optimistic about Mac Jones' status, but of course, right now, too early to tell. Yeah, I think he's going to play. I, I heard somewhere that he really wanted to play last week and he felt ready and he was like medically cleared or something or, or almost medically cleared, but they decided to just hold him out basically as a precaution. So it, based on that, I, I do assume that he's going to play. So um, and yeah, no quarterback competition, according to the Patriots. Mac is the guy when he's healthy. 
and looks like he's healthy. Absolutely. Staying in that division. Elijah Moore was excused from practice Thursday, growing speculation about his relationship with the team. I hear you right there. I can see your face reaction. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but I see if if the if people watching can see your reaction right now. The Jets received expressed frustration over his lack of involvement on offense, and he actually requested a trade. So it looks like Elijah Moore might be out the door for New York. I don't know if he'll be traded, but yeah, this is so annoying as a Jets fan. It's like the Jets are four and two. They're on a three game winning streak. Everybody's feeling good. And yeah, apparently, apparently it's apparently it's more than just usage. The team isn't happy with how he he has reacted to the to the, the reduced role. And the thing is, he's run a lot of routes. He's just not getting the ball. So it's like, I don't. I don't know, man. I I understand on one level because these guys have to produce or else they're not going to get that, that, the second contract. They have a, a limited time to show what they can do. You know, He's in his second year. If he doesn't have a good year this year, he's only got one more year to prove it. But still, like, you know, it's Zach Wilson's been back from, from injury for three weeks now. They're they're going to face some easier defenses down the line. They're probably going to have the opportunity to throw the ball more. You just wish that there was a little bit more patience there, you know, because, I don't know. The, the, just the, the way Jets, things are going. Just the yeah, way things are know, going. Who, who expected yeah. them to win four games? I'm sorry to throw that out to you right there. Like, and not only oh, that, but, but I did. of course you did. But, <laughs> but, uh, but let, uh, me, let, me, let, me, let me reword, too. Four games this early into the season. How about that? I did. Oh, okay. You're, you're a loyal fan. You're a loyal well, look, fan. No, I, to be to be fair, to be fair, I had pegged them at uh, at three and three. To be fair, that's what I expected okay. prior to that, the season. So, I didn't think they so were going to beat the so Packers. Fairly. But okay, but fair. That's fair. No, that's totally fair. So we'll see how that that unfolds, and you know, hopefully, the culture in New York with that <laughs> that bad news is not shaken at all because i i want to see the jets win i know you do as a jets fan obviously so moving yeah. on to the west coast of things charters wide receiver <laughs> keenan allard said thursday that he is closer to returning and could see the field as early as sunday but his status for week seven of course is unsure he's been battling a hamstring injury since week one so if keenan allen can get on that field for a banged up Chargers team that offense obviously gets a big boost yeah, you know, I, I I hope he plays because he's a good player, uh, and and I don't want the Chargers season to be too disappointing. They've been winning enough games to stay, you know, kind of in the race, but they they haven't looked real good. And I think he's a key component to what they do. So I'm I'm definitely hopeful for his sake, for their sake, that he's back. Just also for my sake to actually, you know, watch a good offense in Los Angeles. So so yeah, man, I uh. Uh, hopeful, hopeful. I think, I think he's probably got a pretty good shot at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So we hope he's back out there running routes very soon. Broncos backup Brett Ripon has been getting some first team reps as Russell Wilson has been limited due to a hamstring issue. Head coach Nathaniel Hackett said he must be prepared to face the Jets on Sunday just in case Russell Wilson isn't good to go. So you might have a little easier matchup. Oh, look, the way that Russell Wilson's been playing, it might not even be easier. <laughs> uh, it's, it's 
Like I, I when you send me the news, the news agenda before we start, I'm gonna have to start sending you, uh, <laughs> um, uh, pronunciation. Like, like it's probably like <laughs> what is it like Ripian? No, it's Ripin. Ripin, Ripin. Of course, yeah. yeah. Of course, it's it's yeah. it, it, it looks nothing like the spelling. No, and there. Uh, what was the other one a few minutes ago? Keenan uh, Allen. No, Elijah no. Moore, you, Mac Jones. You, oh, Zappy, Bailey Zappy. Zappy, my lord. I think I also watched <laughs> the video. I literally watched the like his draft video like twenty minutes before we got on call, and I literally heard his name. <laughs> my lord. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, yeah. Um, so uh, where were we? Let <laughs> uh, me restart. Ripping, yes, ripping. Okay, look. The, honestly, I. He has not really played well in his career. He, he he's you know had moments as a backup. So I'm really not scared of this game for the Jets either way. But uh, their offensive line is bad. Their offense isn't playing well. He might have better field vision than Russell Wilson at this point. But just generally, it's probably not going to be a good showing. The Jets' defensive front has been pretty dominant up to this point and going up against an offensive line that was already struggling a bit and then lost their left tackle. Whoever's out there, we might see both of them. Cause even if Russell Wilson starts, like it, it might not be long before he gets in there type of thing. So yeah. Um, it's a shame. It, it, it's not going to be the best game for him to get his first start of the season. And if that, does, if, if that is what happens, so um prayers for him honestly prayers for him and we hope we get to see a quarterback survive after their matchup staying in denver for some news about melvin gordon we mentioned him yesterday he will be the starting running back versus the jets this comes of course after nathaniel hackett benched him in their monday night matchup last week they talked they kissed and made up melvin gordon will be the starting running back for their matchup against the jets not latavius murray you mean um now Latavius Murray. Um Yeah. Um I don't know what to say. I don't know what's going on in Denver. I mean, he's clearly the best back, so this, sh- this should be expected. I don't know why he didn't play. I don't know. I I don't know. I Denver's lost on me. Julius is lost on me. <laughs> what's going on in Denver? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's we we went into this season thinking that AFC West division was going to be a powerhouse slam dunk, just a battle for the ages. And you go three weeks in the season, Russell Wilson and that offense was bad. The Raiders were zero and three at one point, mm-hmm. and it was just, it was just a mess. And of course, it's basically the Chiefs right now running away with it. The yeah, Chargers you know getting banged up. It you want to know what's funny? You're 100% right, and and honestly, the way that the Chargers are playing right now, aside from the Chiefs, it might be one of the worst divisions in the AFC because yeah. the Jets the Jets and the Patriots both look better at, at this moment than any of those three other teams behind the Chiefs. Um, the and Dolphins were definitely better before the injuries. I guess you can't really count I was about to now. say, think of, think of Tua didn't get hurt with the mm-hmm. way the other teams in that division are playing. Cause of course you got the bills. They, and then the dolphins beat the bills, which was impressive. Mm-hmm. Obviously not, not a good, not a good sign when Tua came back in because of what, what so happened to occur. 
And then the Patriots, of course, you know, they're scrappy. They're staying in there. And the Jets, of course, you know, they're pulling off, you know, miracles. And then you got the NFC East where the Eagles are undefeated. The Cowboys had their backup QB holding them down. The Giants out of nowhere. Brian Dabble is doing great over there. I mean, it's kind of weird to say how we thought this was going to be the best division in football. And probably, honestly, in some people saying this is going to be the best division race period in, in, a, in a while. Mm-hmm. And what we have what we've seen is kind of is pretty awful. Yeah. I hate to say yeah. it. It's just it's just sad. It's really it's... sad because people were like, no, it's going to be the Chargers. It's going to be it's going to be the Chiefs. Like, how do you doubt? Patrick Mahomes, but look, Russell Wilson has a ring. Derek Carr mm-hmm. is this guy that we love to hype up before the season, and they improve. They made some solid additions with Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. Matt Crosby is an All Pro. Like you got names like that. It's and it's it's been nothing close to that. Yeah, I, I don't think it's been the worst division in football because the AFC South has been pretty bad. The it's it's just obvious who's going to win that one. Yeah. Yeah, because you got the Bucks, the Saints, the Falcons. It's 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 not hot down there. Oh yeah, but I was talking about the AFC West, uh, AFC oh, South. AFC I think South. I think that's even worse because oh, yeah, you don't worse. even know who's going to win, and none of them look really good. But that's what Colts, Jaguars, Texans. Yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah. Yep. 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 All right. You have anything else for us today, Julius? That is that is everything I got for you today. All right. Beautiful. Let everybody know where they can find you, and we will see you again next Wednesday. You can find me on Twitter, GodJuice44, GodJuice44 on Twitter. You can find me on greaterandheroics.com. Just search up my name. You can find everything up there, as well as on Facebook, Julius Lux. Just search up my name, and I'll be there. (laughs) Appreciate it. All right. Of course. See you next Wednesday. Take care. All right, guys, we are here with Dave Guberman to break down another Thursday night football game. This one between the Cardinals and the Saints. Two teams that have been a little bit disappointing this season thus far. Cardinals came out on top. It was, um, you know, I wouldn't say that the Cardinals offense was great. It was functional. It was better with DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, kind of getting into the swing of things in the second half. But it was really the Saints offense that gave this game away as best they could. And, uh, you know, Thursday Night Football has been disappointing. I would say this was a little bit better. But these two teams have been disappointing. And on that theme, we're going to talk about some of the most disappointing teams in the league so far as a little extra portion to this segment we're going to talk about some teams that have exceeded expectations as well but that's what we're doing today dave how are you this morning i'm good max thanks for having me on it was a great game last night got to see some points for once which is a good change of pace (laughs) after these two 12 to 9 and then 12 to 7 thursday night game last week we had an explosion of points, so I'm happy about that. We had over 40 points scored before halftime, so that was good to see. But yeah, like you said, kind of the Saints kind of shot themselves in the foot all game with turnovers, 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 and I think we all can can kind of kind of see or kind of determine that the game was really decided in that last two minutes before halftime 
when Andy Dalton threw back-to-back pick sixes in less than two minutes. So that really kind of killed the Saints. Yeah, it, it was really a 21-point swing all from Andy Dalton alone because he threw the interception in the end zone too. So he robbed the Saints of a touchdown potential there and then put an automatic 14 on the board with the the back-to-back picks. So um, the, the positives here, Chris Olave continues to look good. You know, he was he was one of the leaders for Rookie of the Year uh, before he got injured, and he didn't miss a lot of time. Um, but he, he he came back and he and he looked pretty good. He finished the game with seven catches for one hundred and six. Um, and then uh, Alvin Kamara looked good too. I'll give that to him as well. Uh, you know, he only had forty nine yards receiving, but he had four and a half yards per carry, and he contributed in the in the passing game as well for another fifty six yards. So, I mean. The these two players were probably the main thing that you could take away from this game as a net positive. Um, yeah, I was I, just gonna say that that this game kind of also highlighted for me at least. I know I'm not gonna put too much on Andy Dalton because of all the injuries that the Saints have kind of been dealing with and and suffering. They had um, uh, Bradley Roby go down last night as well to add on to some more back end issues. Marshawn Lattimore is already hurt. Michael Thomas is still out. Jarvis Landry is still out. So he doesn't have his full complement of weapons. But last night did have the return of Chris Olave after he had a concussion last week and he showed out. He had uh, seven catches for 106 yards. And then the big one was the return of DeAndre Hopkins after his six game suspension. And he showed out with 10 catches for 103 yards in his season debut. So he really kind of showcased why and how badly the Arizona offense needs DeAndre Hopkins to be their primary playmaker. Arizona is eight and two with DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup. And when he does not play, they're three and eight. So he really does make a huge difference for that offense. Yes, he does. He is he he's just such a silky smooth possession receiver. He moves the ball down the field with ease. Um, you know, the the, <laughs> the Saints really didn't even give him a chance to get going before they gave the game away. Um, but but you know, I think it was largely up to the connection from Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins that ensured that this game stayed comfortably within the Cardinals' hands for the remainder of the game. Because the Saints just couldn't get a stop against Hopkins, they really had no chance to try and get back in it. They just fell behind, you know, too quickly. You know, um, it's a shame because, like, just one minute Andy Dalton looks like a good, good, really good backup quarterback, and then the next thing you know, he's just throwing away the game. So it, it's tough, man. And, and, and he's done a really good job the past few weeks. He's done really, really good kind of managing the game and not turning the ball over over the last three games. He only has one interception. But that all kind of came to a head tonight where he had three interceptions just tonight. So he's been doing well. He's been keeping the ball safe and secure until last night. Yeah, so we'll shout out some of the defenders who did get their interceptions. Antonio Hamilton is the one who caught one in the end zone. Isaiah Simmons had a pick six, and Marco Wilson had a pick six as well. So shout out to those guys. I didn't feel like anybody else had 
you know, a monster game defensively. I didn't even feel like the defense was incredible by any means. It was really just the big plays that made the difference. So, right, um, yeah, and, and like, like I was saying, those two pick sixes really kind of changed how that game was going to play out because the Saints had a really good first quarter. The Saints took a fourteen-six lead early in the game, but then after the Cardinals tied it at fourteen, those two pick sixes completely changed how that game would play out. But one thing I did notice was Isaiah Simmons, the Cardinals linebacker who had that second pick six with, I think, 45 seconds to go in the half. Mm-hmm. He's not your typical linebacker that you see every day. Mm-hmm. He's 6'4", 238. He's in his third year out of Clemson. And on that interception return for a touchdown, to me, he, he for some reason, he kind of just looked like he was a receiver running a route or running down the field. He was just so fluid and he was so smooth and he, he literally broke away from defenders and turned on the jets. And he had speed that, that honestly really surprised me just watching it live. So yeah, for a, a linebacker that big and that size, his athleticism really is off the charts. Yeah, no doubt. I remember when he was coming out back in 2020, he ended up going in the top 10 and, uh, there there was a lot of speculation about what exactly is he going to be because at Clemson he was kind of like a kind of like a do-it-all safety linebacker hybrid you know he could even he could even man up against a lot of those guys and the question was is he going to be like a Darwin James is he going to be like a a a true safety is he going to be a linebacker like what is the role that fits best for him and, and, you know, a lot of the perception was that he's going to be the star guy. So he's going to be kind of like the nickel, that slot nickel coverage defender that can man up with, like, you know, guys that are way smaller than him, but, but still not get lost in coverage, but also, you know, be good against the run as well. So it's kind of taken him a couple of seasons to really get into the swing of things. Um, I, I think, you know, the consistency level is still something that we're looking for from him, but he did show his big play potential last night. And you're absolutely right. I mean, he's got, he's got some serious burst for a guy who's playing linebacker in in quotation marks, but that, that, yeah, you've got a good eye there, man. All right. So look, I think we can do that. We can, we can, we can stick with that for the Thursday night football. And we can jump into our most disappointing and and most surprising teams. So we'll start with the negative and finish with the positive for this segment here today. So first of all, we have our most disappointing teams. And this is not just a team with whoever has the worst record. This is This has to be who basically we're the most disappointed by based on our expectations going into the season. And I'll give you credit because this, this little portion of the segment was your idea and I like it so I'm going to let you go first who were your most disappointing teams of the season so far yes I also love the list uh I took some time put it together to make sure that it was uh it was correct so my top three most disappointing it's you want to go three through one or one through three three through one count it down okay so my third most disappointing team is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. 
after a couple big offseason pickups, they added star receiver Devontae Adams. They added star DN Chandler Jones on the D-line. And a lot of experts thought that they were going to compete to possibly win the extremely competitive AFC West. But they came out of the gates really slow. They lost four of their first five games. So they've not gotten off to the start that they're looking that they, they were looking to get off to, or that some people thought they might. So the Raiders I have as my three spot. At my two spot, I have the Indianapolis Colts. I know a lot of experts thought they, they might end up in the AFC championship game, or they might have Matt Ryan, their new veteran quarterback addition, take them to where Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz could not take them. And I did not have the same confidence in Matt Ryan. The offense looks anemic. The overall first overall pick of most fantasy drafts in Jonathan Taylor has been an extreme disappointment so far this year. And they're not in the best division. So they really don't have much of an excuse for why they've getting off to this super slow start. They're they're not that bad. They're they're I think they're what? They're they're two, two and one or, or three, two and one. But they they've had some pretty poor performances so far in these first six or seven games. And then my number one most disappointing team has got to be the Denver Broncos. I know they're also in a super tough division with the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. But with those two additions, Matt Ryan to, to Indianapolis and Russell Wilson to Denver, Denver was a team who gave up all those draft picks and all that capital to get Russell Wilson to sign him to a $250-plus million extension. And their offense has been one of the worst in the league. They are hands down the worst red zone offense in the league. So they have been awful. They have been hard to watch, even just for passionate football fans who would watch any game like me. The Denver games that I've seen on primetime have been ones that are extremely forgettable. And their defense has really been the thing that's keeping them afloat through these first third for this first third of the season because their offense I know they've dealt with some injuries and now Javante Williams is out for the season but they look absolutely terrible and most experts now that I'm hearing they don't see this getting any better for Denver in the short term yeah look I can't even include them on my list because they while they're disappointing in general, my expectations for them were not as high as a lot of other people. So, gotcha. so I, I the hype was there. A lot of people had picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I didn't pick them to go to the playoffs. I thought they'd get off to a slower start. Yeah, this is worse than I thought they would be, no doubt about it. But I have a couple of others here that I'm going to rank as a bit more disappointing just because my expectations were initially higher. Let's hear so, the first one. I am going to go with the Indianapolis Colts as well. So the Colts have an opportunity right now, being in a bit of a weaker division, because they've got that tie instead of a loss, as as ugly as that was, ultimately it may give them a very slight edge up. They did look better this past week. They're coming off of a two-game winning streak, and I don't think, you know, (laughs) say what you want about that Denver game, but at least it's a win. So they've got a chance They've got a chance to turn things around here. But I did think that they were going to win the division, and I didn't think they were going to be a Super Bowl competitor. You know, I didn't think they were going to be there with the Bills or the Chiefs, but I thought they would be better than this. I did. And I'm disappointed with how that offensive line has played. Um, And 
again, they, they are one of these teams that has a legit chance to change that. But up to this point, they have been my third most disappointing team. My second most disappointing team has got to be the New Orleans Saints. I know they've been ravaged by injuries, but to start the season two and five, I knew there was a there was a chance. I, I did because you're going into the season with Jameis Winston. You're relying on a first-round uh, tackle who was a little bit raw. Now he got hurt right away anyway. Um, but I really did think that they were going to be better. With Dennis Allen at the helm, with Pete Carmichael calling plays, we've seen flashes of what I thought that they could be but they're just not winning games. And at this point at two and five, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to turn things around. And so it's just, it's tough. It's tough, but they're a pretty disappointing team to me. So some of the other teams that are disappointing, but I didn't have very high expectations for, you know, Vegas kind of falls in the same category as Denver. I didn't think they would be as good as everybody else kind of did. Um, Carolina, Carolina had low expectations for Detroit. I didn't expect them to win a lot of games. A little bit more disappointing than I thought. Now, Houston, about what I expected. Pittsburgh, etc. Kind of what I expected. Chicago, what I expected. But the team that I'm the most disappointed by, far more than any other at this point, are the Los <laughs> Angeles Rams. Wow. Yeah, man. They're, because I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think that they were maybe as good as the Bills or Chiefs, but I thought that they would come back, you know, get through the season pretty comfortably, duke it out through the playoffs and make it. And at this point, they don't look good. They just straight up don't look good. They're three and three because they're better than some of the bad teams they play. You know, they're better than the Falcons and better than the Panthers. But, you know, they haven't inspired me with those victories and they've lost games that I think they should have won at least going into the season. So they are my most disappointing team thus far. All right. How about your most surprising teams? Yes. So let's do it with a finish with a a nice positive to shout out some teams that are doing some work that no one thought they would do. So my third most pleasant surprise so far this year is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. They've come out of the gates strong. They're 5-1 and one in their first six games. They have a nice two-game lead already in the division over Aaron Rodgers' Packers. They already have a win against the Packers as well, so they're already up 1-0 head-to-head, and they look good. I, know, I think people, most people know that they were talented with guys like Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, one of the best receivers in the league by most accounts, but... They have been very impressive so far. They've been very good in situational moments, in situational football. Kirk Cousins has helped them get a couple game-winning drives, a couple very close squeak-out wins. So they're finding new ways to win. They're finding different ways to win so far. So it doesn't really matter in the NFL how you win, but they are getting it done right now, and they are separating themselves in the NFC North and they are climbing the power rankings. Most experts, I think, have them in, in the top five or top six overall in the NFL right now. So the Vikings have been pretty impressive so far, in, in my eyes at least. So my number two, I was going back and forth between whether to put the Vikings at two or three. But I got I to gotta put 
a little bit more of an underdog because you know me, Max. You know how much I love the underdog. I so do. I got to put the two. My number two most pleasant surprise is the Seattle Seahawks. Let Geno cook. Okay. Nobody thought that Geno Smith would be better in every category than Russell Wilson across the board six or seven games through this six games through this season. He has the Seahawks offense humming. They put up 40 plus points in a game when they beat the Lions a few weeks ago. I know, I know that's not a big feat going up, up against the Lions defense, but the Seahawks have been good. They've won a couple of divisional games. So, and they are right now tied for first with your most disappointing Rams, who are clearly having their Super Bowl hangover right now. We'll see if they can kind of correct the ship and get things right, but they might really be missing Odell Beckham or another receiver like Odell could to, to go along with Cooper Cup because Matt Stafford mm-hmm. is looking for Cooper Cup and no one else, and Allen Robinson has really been an afterthought. So. Yeah, the Seahawks are tied for first in that division with the Niners and the Rams. So watch out for the Seahawks the rest of this season because they have been an extremely, extremely impressive surprise thus far. And then my number one most pleasant surprise. I'm kind of cheating here because it's hard to choose between them. So I kind of lump them together. But... Football in New York may, in fact, be back, okay? Because (laughs) the Jets and the Giants are co-number ones for me, okay? So the Giants are 5-1 and with a couple really impressive wins over some good teams, including the Ravens and the Titans. So no one saw that coming. Brian Dable, first-year head coach, has shown his value to the team already. They're winning close games. He's gotten the most out of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley has exploded out of the gates as the number one running back in football in 2022 as of right now. So and then the Jets, who are coming off a three game win streak, they have Zach Wilson cooking in the fourth quarter and they are a game back of the Bills in the AFC in the AFC East. So Robert Sala taking his receipts. He's keeping track of everyone who doubted the Jets. And right now, he has some cash on those receipts because the Giants and the Jets are both making names for themselves, are both potential playoff contenders, which hasn't been the case in years. The Jets are the last team to have made a playoff appearance, and that was in 2010. So it might be time for them to finally get in the playoffs (laughs) after this 12-year drought. So shout out to the Giants and the Jets for giving New York fans something to cheer about this year. Yeah, look, I so the, my list is pretty similar, but just, you know, with a, a slight variance here. My number three most surprising team are the New York Jets, and they are only three because I did actually pick them to make the playoffs, but I thought that they were going to be duking it out, probably have a three, a three and four, or a a three and three record at this point after the Packers game, you know, and I thought that the wins would be close, but they have absolutely been crushing some of these teams that they're playing They They blew out the dolphins by more than 20 points. They blew out the Packers with a double digit win. I mean, it seems like this team is rounded into shape and is, you know, 
hitting the second half of the season very, very strongly. They're going up against Denver this week. They have every opportunity to make another statement in that game with the possibility of another double-digit win. And I don't want to get in my head ahead of myself there, but but that Broncos team has obviously been bad. We just talked about them. So they could start this season five and two with a lot of hype. So they're at my number three team because I expected them to be better than most people, but not as good as they are, not as good as they've shown to be. Number two, the Seattle Seahawks. I also thought that they would be bad. I did look, I did not pick them to make the playoffs. I did not pick them to have the first overall pick like a lot of people did. I didn't think that they would be that bad. But they are definitely playing way better football on offense than I expected. And they're getting a lot of contributions from their rookies. And I think that's something is a key difference there, or a key uh, uh, similarity there between the Seahawks and the Jets. Because a lot of times you look at a team that wasn't very good, they pick high, they have a bunch of rookies. But how quickly can their rookies impact the game? Well, in this case, very quickly for both of those teams. And then my number one most surprising team is absolutely the New York Giants. I loved Brian Dayball before the season. I wanted the Jets to hire him as far back as 2021. Uh, when they hired Salah, I was really in on Dable, but Dable ended up not getting a job that year. Um, and then he got a job this year. And so I'm happy for him, happy for the Giants for getting him. And you're absolutely right. He's shown his value immediately. And that team is, I don't think they're as good as the Jets, but look, I mean, they are five and one. They are winning games. They have, it's going to be tough for them to get to the playoffs just because they currently have the Cowboys and the Eagles in their division. But the reality is they have put themselves in a prime position uh, to, 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 you know, to close out the season and, and make a wild card berth. And we'll have to see what Daniel Jones can do ultimately in the long run. Um, you know, there's questions with him similarly to Zach Wilson, but the team is they're winning off of scheme and coaching and the back of Saquon Barkley a little bit more than the, the well-rounded talent of the jets. But the reality is that, you know, if both of these teams get hot at the right time, you know, I'm not going to say super bowl, but I wouldn't be surprised if if you know either of these teams could win one playoff game. So that's 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 major surprises for these teams. So those are my top three. Dave, thank you for joining me today to recap the Thursday night game and go over some of these teams here. This gives us an opportunity to really highlight the teams that we're you know we're really in on, really out on, and kind of reflect based on what we thought was going to happen. So. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? And we will see you again next Friday. Of course, you guys can follow me at tw on Twitter at Dave Guberman, or you can follow me on my stuff and my articles on Gridiron Heroics. So thanks, guys. Looking forward to next week. We actually got a good game next week. The Ravens play Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, so we got a good game next Thursday night. Finally, finally. All right, Dave, we'll see you soon. Take care. Gamblers, wagerers, and riverboat ramblers. Tonight, we pick. All right, everybody, we are back live to pick the week seven slate of NFL games this Sunday. 
I'm here with Kyle Nishida and Bryson Owens to pick every game. We're going to be picking with Play Action Pools as our official affiliate, and you can pick right along with us. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm kind of hoping I do better than whatever transpired last <laughs> night. Um, last night did not go well for me, so I'm hoping that's not indicative of how the rest of this weekend's gonna go but uh yeah no excited to be here that last night had a lot of moving parts a <laughs> lot of moving parts you know the addition to robbie anderson the return of deandre hopkins uh, you know I, I i can't pretend i knew it was going to happen in that one with that one either but we've got some we've got a good number of games to pick from so hopefully you can get right bryson how are you doing today I'm doing really well, man. I had a really good week last week picking games, and I had a good night last night picking the game. The only thing I got wrong with last night's game was I thought it was going to be the under, just because I went with the Thursday night football trend, and somehow it somehow hit the over, guys. It's a miracle. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see here. I'm about to pull up uh, the week of games to pick from. We'll be picking against the spread. Maybe eventually if I can find it. Uh, where where are we here? Oh, set picks. There we go. Okay, I want to shout out our producer Noah Ashley behind the scenes here. Um, so he's going to help us out with any questions we have and just be a general, very helpful person. All right, zero points to start the week. It's a nice red zero there. <laughs> Put me in a good mood. Okay, first game that we are going to pick is the Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, the Falcons have been a little bit feisty this year, but they are plus six and a half in this game. The Bengals certainly can, you know, score any given week, but I don't know. It's a little little bit of disrespect to the Falcons. I know it's in the Bengals' house, but they they've they've kept it competitive up to this point. Kyle, what do you think? You know, this is... I- this will just be indicative of this entire week. I really struggled picking against the spread this entire week. <laughs> I, I think th- I think the lines are actually pretty good uh, this week. Uh, yeah, you mentioned. Look, I thought the Falcons were going that their perfect streak against the spread was going to go away last week. I was very very wrong. <laughs> um, this week, I'm I'm really not sure. This is kind of tough because. The Bengals still kind of are this up and down team for me. I know they kind of figured it out against against the Saints in the second half of their game, but that they can't they don't seem to be able to run the football. They're getting by passing the football. They're not creating as many big plays as I think they would like. Meanwhile, the Falcons they just are finding ways to keep things competitive. So with that mindset, I'm going to go with the Falcons as a plus 6.5 underdog here. I'll take them and just go with the fact that they're perfect against the spread this year. And then we'll see what happens next week. Yeah, I might be a follower of trends going into this week, but I'm taking the Falcons to cover the spread as well. I mean, the Bengals are a better football team, but the Falcons are very well disciplined. I think they're pretty well coached by Arthur Smith. Um, Marcus Mariota is playing good football. He's not playing great. Like he's creating more with his legs than he is with his arm right now. And that's what this Falcons offense is. Even without Cordero Patterson, they're still able to run the ball pretty much as good, if not better than anyone else in this league. They're third in the NFL in rushing. And if there's a weakness on this Bengals defense, it is the rushing defense. 
they aren't great in that category. They're pretty good in against everything else, but against the run, the Bengals are pretty below average. So I think I think this is going to be a lower scoring game than people think because I think the Bengals defense is pretty solid other than against the run. The Falcons defense has stepped up as of late and it's going to be a lot more running than people think. So six and a half points is too much for me. I think the Bengals get the win at home, but the Falcons are going to continue to cover. Yeah. This is a tough one, Kyle. You're right, to be perfectly honest. But uh, Mariota looked good last week, man. Look, I, I, I know it is it is what it is, but 13 of 14 is nothing to sneeze at. I think that was the final stat line for him. Like That's mm. very efficient, and it's hard. If you can be that efficient, it's hard to give up a big lead because you're, you're just kind of right there. So, I mean, I ledged that way. You guys both went that way. I almost turned around on it myself, but I will also take the Falcons as the underdog here. All right. Whew. The Carolina Panthers <laughs> plus 13 at home versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Tampa Bay Bucks have not looked great. But McCaffrey is officially gone. Okay, so that happened obviously last night, at the tail end of the night. Uh, so he's not with the team anymore. Robbie Anderson's gone. So they've got DJ Moore, and I don't even know who's playing quarterback in this game. And you know what? To me, it doesn't matter. I, I'm still taking the Bucks here. I, I think this game is going to be, you know, an implosion to the next level of what we've seen from the Panthers so far. Um, it's 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 good to just get right now and accumulate those draft picks when you can, so I don't blame them. But it's going to be an ugly remainder of the season. I, I mean, I know I'm picking before you guys, but. It's just too easy, I think. Yeah, the talk about something that just absolutely uh, uh, made things a lot more difficult when it comes to picking is just them uprooting their entire team by trading away tr- uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, yeah, thirteen points is a lot to swallow. I I'm not feeling great about the Bucks' chances of covering thirteen points right now. They can't protect Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't seem to be on the same page with anybody on the offense right now, especially after he looks like he's lashing out at everybody on the sidelines. I, I'm i going to go with the Panthers here, actually. I'll take 13 points here with the Panthers. I realize they're imploding and everything, but Tampa's shown me nothing in the past weeks that suggests they can win by at least two touchdowns. So I'll take the Panthers plus 13 as the home underdog. Yeah, I originally had the Panthers at plus 10, before the trade, now after the trade, I had to change my mind, had to rethink some things. Um, I, I just think the Panthers are, for no, are, tanking is more of a word used in the NBA. It's not really an NFL term, but they're pretty much tanking now. And like you said, Max, probably P.J. Walker in at quarterback didn't have a great week last week, and now he's going against one of the best defenses in the NFL. I think it's going to be really rough for that Panthers offense. They may... They may not score. Like it, it could be that ugly for the Panthers this week. Um, and they're just I think at this point auditioning they're really good players for trade opportunities. I think Brian Burns goes soon. I think Derek Brown goes soon. DJ Moore is probably up next as well. So I think it's gonna be a really rough week for the Panthers. Yeah, the Bucks haven't shown anything to give me too much confidence in their their ability to cover a 13 point spread. Most it's mostly because their offense. Like uh Kyle, you said. Tom Brady is not really on the same page as everyone, but 
coincidentally, when Tom Brady starts yelling at people, that's usually when his teams start turning things around. People take <laughs> yeah. notice when Tom turns it's, it's when Tom true. starts yelling. Yeah, I mean, look at his first year in the Bucks. He started yelling at everyone. They turned around, won the Super Bowl last year. Stopped yelling at everyone. Kind of struggled off and on the season. I think he needs to start yelling again, um, like he <laughs> is, and it's going to turn the Bucks around. And so, with that, I think they're going to cover a thirteen point spread because I think the Panthers are going to they're going to struggle to get past midfield. Yeah, I think this is going to be a get right game for Tampa Bay. I, I just think. I hear what you're saying, Kyle, and you're you're totally right. You know, based on w- what's happened over the past few weeks, but usually when we see this, it is not the start of a trend. It happens right before a turnaround with a Tom Brady-led team, just generally speaking. So I know 13's a lot. I'm gonna take it though. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they're trading DJ Moore. By the way, I saw a report okay. that it that they they view him as a foundational piece going forward, and they don't. They're not really tanking so much as they're just trying to recuperate assets for for a rebuild, and they don't want to wait till you know the off season to do it. They want to do it now when they think the return will be the strongest for their players. So, um, you know, maybe Burns goes, maybe Burns doesn't go. But I, the, I mean, what's up, Kyle? Oh, I mean, they're bad. They're bad enough to where they're gonna get a top quarterback. <laughs> right. Like they're. they're <laughs> They're bad enough, so if they get the right top quarterback, that team's pretty good to where a quick turnaround isn't out of the question for them. I agree. You get a coach in, you let him hand-select his quarterback, and you know you, you build yourself a bunch of extra picks so that you round out depth. You, know, you might not be a contender year one, but you will probably see notable improvement. All right, so let me just pick the bucks there and move to the Ravens hosting the Browns. This line would have been so much closer to start the year, but the Ravens are now mm-hmm. minus six and a half over the Browns. So they are, you know, fairly strong underdogs in their own house. Kyle, what do you think? Um, kind of another one I was struggling with. I totally want to take the Ravens here, but again, I took the Ravens last week and Lamar literally threw that game away. And so I have honestly no idea. This is a division game. The Browns have actually found a way to play Lamar well. Uh, They did it last year defensively, so they have a certain game plan that's been working for them. I'm actually going to take the Browns plus six and a half here. It's just more or less something's something's not right with Lamar, and I'm not sure what it is entirely. He's not as accurate as I think he was to start the season, and I think the Browns are have done just enough to where I think they can keep this close, especially um, with the fact that Njoku's kind of come on for them as a top receiver. The Ravens have given up a have a, given up a good amount of targets to tight ends in the past couple of weeks, so I expect the Browns not to win, but at least keep this within the field goal range that we're looking for. So I'll take the Browns plus six and a half. Yeah, I also have the Browns covering. I don't know if they're going to win, but six and a half points is too much for me. Like Kyle said, Lamar's been struggling a little bit. The last three games, under 200 yards passing per game in those three games, three touchdown passes to four interceptions, and and around 50% completion. That's not going to cut it. Now, it's going to depend a lot on who's healthy for the Browns. Um, you know, Miles Garrett, uh, Denzel Ward, and Ronnie Harrison all questionable going into this game. If even just like two of those players are good to go, if they get Clowney or they get not Clowney too, but if they get uh, Miles Garrett 
and they get Denzel Ward, I think that they're set up to really make this a competitive football game. And the Browns have the number one ranked run offense in the NFL. And the Ravens, even though they're trying to find their footing on the run game, there isn't one running back who's really keeping things consistent for them. It's mostly Lamar getting it done on the ground. Um, when you're playing against a running football team like the Ravens, they tend to be lower scoring because there's not a ton of big plays in the passing game. And lower scoring games tend to lead themselves to closer games, more like a field goal finish than a touchdown finish. So I think I think the Browns are going to keep this competitive. Like Kyle said, Njoku's coming along. I love the connection uh, Brissette and Cooper have together, but that just seems to be where what Cooper does with whatever quarterback he has. He always has a really good connection with them. Um, so I think the Browns are going to keep it competitive. I don't know if they're going to win this game, but six and a half points is too much for me. So I've got the Browns covering. I've got about as bad taste in my mouth for this game as I do with my coffee because when I put the sugar and milk in it today, I forgot to stir it. So it's, oh, no. It's, it's too late now, but it's just very bitter on top because I use espresso. So that's that's how I feel about this game. Like, I'm going to pick it just like I'm going to drink it, but I don't love it. I'm going to take the Ravens here because the Browns are so bad against the run. They're awful. Mm -hmm. And the Ravens are a running team. This could give the Ravens an opportunity to run the ball with both J.K. Dobbins and Lamar Jackson and really just push the ball up the middle of the field and hopefully win by at least one touchdown. If Lamar Jackson is struggling with accuracy, just give him less throws. And and that's that's just the way that I'm leaning in this game. You could you could probably talk me out of it, but but I'm I'm setting the pick and we're moving on. Um, <laughs> we've got the Washington Commanders plus five against the Green Bay Packers, which is wild because based on the way the Commanders would have played and the have played in the Green Bay Packers logo and name, you would expect a 13 point spread of disrespect, just like in the other game against the Carolina Panthers. But no, the Packers did not play that well last week. Haven't really played that well for a few weeks. So it's only a minus five favoritism here. So what do you think, Kyle? Is that is that too low? Is Aaron Rodgers about to get right? Or what do we think? Again, this is another game. I have <laughs> honestly no idea. Like I can't I can't there there's like a there's a handful of teams I can't tell if they're good teams just playing bad or if they're just bad teams and the Packers are one of them um I think this will probably be the last week I do this I'm gonna I think I did go against the Packers last week because a full touchdown spread wasn't worth it for me I'll take the Packers this week with the last hope of the fact that the Packers are just are a good team playing horribly bad right now. Um, I think this is a get, I'm hoping this is a get right game for them. Uh, last week was the first time I think we've had the uh, Packers not cover under LaFleur when they've lost a game the prior week. So I'm hoping that they just turn around. They got humbled a lot by how poorly they played last week against the Jets and they cover a five point spread. So I'll take the Packers out on the road, minus five. Yeah, I've also got the Packers on the road covering the spread. And it's mostly not so much how much confidence I have in the Packers, even though that defense, I have confidence in them shutting down this Washington offense. It's mostly just the fact that I have no idea what the commanders are good at right now, really, because their defense going into um, their last game wasn't really good. 
Now they shut down Justin Fields, but that's not exactly the hardest thing in the world to do. Um, and then they're trying to find a balance between Gibson and Robinson Jr. running the football, and it worked at times last week, but it's I think it's still a little bit shaky. They're still trying to find their footing there. Um, and then with Carson Wentz's broken finger, it's going to be Heineke in, the, in at the game. I have no idea what he's going to do in his first start of the season. He's a wild card of a quarterback because you never know if he's just going to go off because he has done that in the past, especially against good teams. He has gone off against them, but then he has those tendencies to just give you absolute duds. Um, so I think it's going to be mostly because of how little confidence I have in the commanders. I think this is going to be a game for Aaron to get both his running backs going, especially Aaron Jones. He's been kind of just left out of the offense, which is really weird to watch. He's one of the, he's probably their most dynamic offensive player for Aaron Rodgers, and they just aren't giving him the football. So I think this is going to be a good chance for Aaron Jones to get right and Aaron Rodgers to get his young receivers some targets, get them going um, for the rest of the season because there are plays the commander's defense left on the field for Justin Fields that he didn't make that I think Aaron Rodgers with these young receivers will make. So I know the Packers have given me no confidence to pick them in games this season, but I'm going to take them in this one just because I have even less confidence in the commander's. If you watched the Packers last week, you would have seen that their defense was playing darn near shutdown in the past game. Mm-hmm. Jair Alexander was on. And so, look, I'm not going to sit here and try and tell you that Zach Wilson played well, but that secondary was very, very good. Like, very good. And I don't think the commanders have the run game, the dominant run game, to overcome that and, and get things going on offense. I think I think that, you know, they might score a little bit, but I don't. I don't expect it to be very strong. And... I do think the Packers are going to put up more points than they did last week. I, I, I do believe that this is a get-right game for them. Now, I don't know if it's a get-right game for the entire year, but it'll at least swing positivity and back in their direction for one week. So I'm going to take the Packers minus five here as well. Um, and, you know, honestly, it's hard for me to sit here and really say that they played bad in that game. I really do feel like the Jets just came to play and were very, very good. The pass rush was unbelievable. Quinn Williams was, you know, that was one of the single best performances we've seen by a defender this season. And we have seen Micah Parsons play in multiple <laughs> games. So like it was that dominant. And then, you know, the rest of the defense was, was alive too. So even though it's easy to point to the Packers and be like, you're bad, it, it, it was less about that for me. So, I'm confident with them this week. The Cowboys are minus seven against the Detroit Lions with the return of Dak Prescott. The Lions have been a very good scoring offense for most of the season. They've been a horrendous defense in terms of giving up points for most of the season. Cowboys have been a very good defense and a just good enough offense to win games. Do we see that converting into a minus seven cover for them at home Kyle um I struggled with this I I think we're making a pretty big assumption here that Dak Prescott's gonna come back and this offense is gonna be rolling I mean remember the the last thing we we saw from Dak was him struggling against Tampa Bay now I'm not making the comparison that Tampa Bay that that the Lions have anything close to what Tampa Bay has defensively but still, coming back from a finger injury, we saw last year that coming back from a finger injury like that, 
that played into Russell Wilson struggling for the first couple of games. So I think there's a pretty big assumption that Dallas's offense is going to be rolling immediately when Dak comes back onto the onto the field. It could happen, but I'm not willing to make that risk. I understand the Lions are are real are one and four, but again, their offense is good. They can make they can score points, especially now that De- uh, DeAndre Swift is likely coming back. Amon Ross, St. Brown's healthier. They have the firepower to at least keep this within a touchdown. So I'll go uh, Detroit Lions plus seven as the road dog. Yeah, I'm also taking the Lions to cover the spread. I don't know if they're going to win this game. They very well could just because of how explosive that offense can be. And with the shakiness of um, Dak Prescott coming back, like Kyle said, we have no idea how this is going to look with Dak Prescott coming back for the first time this season um, since his injury. And that offense was moving pretty well. It was pretty efficient. It was um, evenly dispersed. And one thing that Cooper Rush did that Dak Prescott hasn't had a very good job of doing is just give taking his shots with um with CD Lamb. You know, Cooper Rush wasn't afraid to just give CD Lamb chances to make the plays with the football where for some reason Dak Prescott has this in his head where he needs to be evenly distributed with the football. He can't just focus on one receiver and it just for some reason he doesn't target CD Lamb as much as I think he should. I don't know if that's going to fix itself with Dak coming back. CD Lamb might have another drop of production because Dak and CD just don't have a connection going on right now and like Kyle said Lions are getting a little bit healthier they have one of the better O-lines in football so they're going to have a decent chance at slowing down that um, Cowboys pass rush and if there's one thing that this Cowboys defense has a weakness in it is against the run and so with DeAndre Swift probably coming back and with Jamal Williams in that backfield they're going against the 19th rushing def- ranked rushing defense in football. It's not bad by any means, but it's not as good as the rest of that defense is ranked. So I think the Lions are going to try and run the ball a lot. And then one other sneaky good, uh, sneaky thing that's making me pick the Lions, Jared Goff, sneaky good in domes. He's a very good dome quarterback. Um, he may, He's not great on the road, but inside indoor stadiums, Jared Goff plays very well. So I think that's going to play into this a lot as well. So I think seven points is too much for me. I think the Cowboys win, but the Lions cover. Yeah, so I'm going to ask Noah real quick. Are, are Amon, Saint, Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift both supposed to play in this game? Because I was having a hard time picking this game. I was leaning towards the Lions. You guys have both pretty much convinced me, but I just want to make sure that those guys are really strongly likely playing. So if we can get the final... And uh, most up-to-date info on that, that will probably solidify my pick. Wait on We'll uh, We can move to the next game, and then as soon as Noah pops in with hey that. Hey, guys. What's up, Noah? Uh, we got uh, Amon Ra. He fully practiced most recently, and uh, Andre Swift was limited practice. Uh, this r- report came out 17 hours ago, so that would be... What, yesterday's practice? No, uh, Thursday. Right. <clears throat> okay. So, yeah. All right, I'm riding with the Lions. Let's do it. Let's shock the world. I still do think the Cowboys will win, but full touchdown spread's a little rich. Okay, thanks, Noah. Titans minus two and a half at home versus the Indianapolis Colts. Kyle, I'm just going to let you dive into this because, you know, this is your team. 
They're on a two-game win streak. Do we think that they can continue that? Do you think that they can be uh, underdog champions uh, in the Titans' house? Um, still, uh, still kind of up and down with them. But if if they're going to play the way they did last weekend, I fully anticipate them covering a two-and-a-half-point spread. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if they won outright, if that's the team that shows up. Look, it's all about if they can give Matt Ryan enough time. Matt Ryan's not going to be not running around or anything. But if you give him time, you saw they went super pass heavy against the Jags and he carved the Jags up because he got time. And so that's the main thing. If they can give him time, I think they're going to be fine and they're going to be contenders in the AFC South like I think we all thought they were going to be when the season began. Mm-hmm. In as far as this game, I said it, I think the I think they'll cover the two and a half point spread. I think the Titans are are a very good team, but here's an interesting point. The Colts do a really good job playing up to their up to their opponents. They're one of the better teams against the uh, teams over 500 with Frank Reich in charge. I believe he is somewhere around the neighborhood of five and two against the spread. So I would take the Colts here plus two and a half. And then if, if it, I think this will end up being a close game, it was a touchdown. It was a touchdown game in their earlier matchup this year. And the Colts had multiple chances to tie that game. So I feel comfortable taking the Colts plus two and a half here. I've got the Titans covering, and it's one of the um, the one big reason is the fact that before their bye week, Derrick Henry got it was getting it rolling, and if Derrick Henry gets it going, he's one of the hardest players in the NFL to stop. Um, and the Colts have a load of injuries. Their linebacker Leonard is still questionable with who knows which injury this week. Every time I look at the injury report, it seems to be something new with him. And if he's out of this game, that's a huge loss for them going against that run. And then um, Ryan Tannehill, because Derrick Henry has been getting it going on the ground, it's making Tannehill's job a lot easier. He's They're really getting that play-action passing going, which makes life so much easier on a quarterback like Ryan, who's not a great just traditional drop-back, read-the-defense type of quarterback. But if it's a play-action passing game and he's got one, two reads, and then he's got to get rid of the football, Tannehill's relatively good. He's not great, but he's he's better than people think. In that regard, one crazy thing about um, this game, though, who would have thought going into it that the Colts are the 29th ranked rushing offense and the Titans are the 21st ranked rushing offense? That's not, I don't think anyone (laughs) anticipated that happening going into this game. Um, And with Jonathan Taylor coming back, yeah, it makes it easier for the Colts, but who knows how rusty he's going to be from his injury. He's probably going to be a little bit off. So I think the Titans have a lot of momentum going into their bye week. Um, so I'm going to take them to cover this thing at home because I think Derrick Henry is going to carry them to a win. When we were talking about the Colts throughout the season so far, the narrative popped up that Matt Ryan wasn't was cooked. He was done. He wasn't playing well. I never thought that. I never said that. I did not feel that way from what I was seeing. In fact, against in that Denver game, I felt he was the better of the two quarterbacks based on the way he was playing, behind an absolutely awful offensive line. And I knew, I suspected that the offensive line might be a little bit questionable. I did not expect it to be one of the worst in football when we kicked off the season. Last week was a good sign. I don't know if it's long-term. I don't know if it's stable. You know, 
after they've got a little bit of tape on some of these guys in this current alignment, maybe there's some things that they can exploit. Jeffrey Simmons is a bit of a beast. We know that. So, you know, I think there's an opportunity for the Titans to win this game uh, comfortably. It really depends on how that line holds up. For now, just because it's the most recent thing we've seen, I will pick the Colts to cover two and a half. But I'm not, I'm not super comfortable with this game either, to be perfectly honest. There's a lot of parity in this particular week. So I'm taking the Colts. I'm taking them for you, Noah. I hope, uh, I hope uh, it gives you some confidence back there. Next up, we have the Jaguars at minus three hosting the New York Giants. Look, we're going to talk about this with another game that's coming up here in just a second. We know that Vegas relies on historical data significantly. It's one of the reasons that they win consistently. But I think you can take advantage of some of some of that with teams who have made dramatic turnarounds. Okay, and I think the Giants are one of those teams. So they're plus three, although it is in the Jaguars' house. I think it's pretty clear which team is currently playing better than the other right now. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, uh, I I I can't believe the spread is a field goal <laughs> separation. I I thought this would be a pick'em to be frankly honest. So. Um, I will take the Giants plus three here. Look, we've already talked. Uh, we talked about this in an earlier uh, earlier this year. The Jaguars being a favorite is just an unfamiliar territory for everybody, including them. <laughs> and they're not good in that spot. Um, in the they were a seven point favorite against the Texans. They lost by a touchdown against the Texans. So. Just using that mindset, I'm going to take the Giants here plus three, and I feel very good about it. Look, I understand Daniel Jones isn't great. Their offense is strictly dependent on Saquon Barkley and everything like that. But their defense is pretty good. They're forcing turnovers. They're doing all the things in key moments that you need to do to win football games. And I think that's going to be enough against a Jaguars team where we've seen the peaks and valleys of this team. They were they look great against the Colts, but they couldn't come up with the stop when they needed to. I think the Giants have proven so far that they're good enough in situational football to get it done. And and if not win, at least cover the field goal spread. Yeah, this is a very strange spread to me. I think we've all agreed that the Giants are playing better. I think one reason they are a three-point underdog is because Obviously, the Jaguars are home, so Vegas gives the home team three points automatically. And then it's the limited um, practice sessions from Saquon Barkley lately. He's dealing with a shoulder injury. I think that's playing into it a little bit. But the Giants are such a weird football team because Richie James is their leading receiver. This is a team with Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard. They have another first-round pick on their roster. This, This team has names at that wide receiver core. And Richie James is their leading receiver with 189 yards. He doesn't even have a touchdown, <laughs> but he's their leading receiver. That's how crazy this season has gone for the Giants. It's a lot of it's obviously a ton of Saquon Barkley, and it's a lot of that defense. Like Kyle said, that defense is playing really well. I think the the Jags could have a chance to cover. I think they might. This could come down to a one two point win, but I'm taking the Giants to cover because they're just playing better football right now. Brian Dable's the coach of the year, in my opinion, so far this season. Um, but just the injury to Barkley and the fact that the Jaguars are a good running team and the Giants defense, their one weakness is the run defense. That that scares me a little bit going into this game. But three points to me is too much. 
to give for the Giants who are just playing really good football. I think really what it comes down to is is this team is showing its ability to win. I don't care if it's by one point when it's a plus three spread. Mm-hmm. You can win by one point. You can win by one point in overtime. It doesn't matter. And if you're if you are winning games, if you're consistently winning games, how can you not take the the underdog in that case? You know, I, I mean. Saquon Barkley's been playing really, really well. Really, really well. He'll put the team on his back if he has to. And, again, the defense is forcing turnovers, just like you said. And I can't justify why I think the Jaguars are more likely to win this game. And if I can't do that, the underdog is the easy pick. Broncos minus .5 versus the Jets. So this is essentially a pick The Jets are technically kind of favored because of the three-point rule. But the reality is, once again, same exact thing. There is not enough data on this new Jets team to sway the Vegas odds in their favor yet, despite every eye test metric that says the Jets are a much better football team than the Broncos right now. It is what it is. I mean, if that's what they could do to Aaron Rodgers, who just has a little bit of a thumb injury, then what are they going to do to the Broncos? who are either starting a heavily banged up and not playing well Russell Wilson or Brett Rippon against an offensive line that already wasn't looking that good before the loss of Garrett Bowles. I mean, no Javante Williams, no, no Tim Patrick we've known for a while. I think this could be a, sorry Bryson, very, very, very ugly performance for the Broncos offense. And that's saying something because we've already seen some pretty rough ones at this point. The Jets' defense is on fire. So, I mean, I am I I don't know what else to say, Kyle. I mean, I'm going to throw it to you here, but if you can find a way to justify picking in any other direction, I will be absolutely shocked. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Just so you know, I, I don't have much of a reason. I think this is a really tough spot for the Broncos. Um, regardless of if, if it's Rippin, then then sure. But if it's Russell Wilson... He's two and eight since 2019 on short rest against the spread. So this is not a good spot for him. It his, just in terms of recency and also that you've said it. They're not. They do not look good offensively. They can't. They can't block anybody at the moment, and that's not a good thing going into the heading into a game against the Jets, where the Jets are actually putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks very, very consistently. Also, I would say. Sauce Gardner is basically eliminating one side of the field for quarterbacks. So you're basically taking away half the field for an offense that's already struggling. That's not a good matchup and setup for this game. I'm going to take the Jets plus, uh, I guess, plus a half point here and and move on with that because I, I just haven't seen it from the Broncos and and we haven't seen it with Russ healthy. I don't know how it's going to work when he's compromised. Yeah, I got the Jets at plus when I picked them. I picked them at plus three. A pick'em's yeah. a little bit more nerve-wracking for me, just because not so much anything the Broncos can do offensively. It's what we're doing on defense that's making a pick'em a lot more difficult for me. Yeah, the Jets' defense is fantastic. They're playing really well too. Like Kyle said, Sauce Gardner's taking away a whole half of the field. Pat Sertan's doing the exact same thing on the other side. There's not going to be a lot of passing. In this game, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of turnovers, I have a feeling. I think both quarterbacks, whoever the quarterback is for the Broncos, there's going to be at least one from both sides. It's going to be 
it's gonna be an ugly offensive game. Um, but like I'm taking the Jets just because I'm not seeing anything out of my Broncos. Like you guys have already mentioned, that offense is abysmal. Now it only takes one good game for a defensive team with a defense as elite as the Broncos to start turning it around. I don't know if it's going to happen against this Jets defense because, man, they're playing really, really well on that side of the ball. The home field advantage for Denver, I think, is going to help play into the fact that it's a young quarterback going in there against that defense. Like Zach Wilson could have a really bad game, and I still think the Jets are going to win. The one... One positive note, if it's Brett Rippon, he is 1-0 in his NFL career and his one win yes. against the Jets. Yeah. So maybe... I remember that. Maybe that's going to um, turn things around. Maybe Brett Rippon is just really good against the Jets. Who knows? But I'm taking the Jets just praying that if I'm wrong, I end up being happier than if I'm right. So that's why I'm, that's yeah. why I'm taking the Jets. I get you. Look, I think everything you said is accurate. I think that the difference is you got a, a very good defense against a very good defense mm-hmm. and an and, and offense that has not been passing well against an offense that has not been passing well. The, the key difference here is that the Jets have an offensive line that has been playing well and they have a running game that has been not only decent, impactful in the games yep. and outright winning them games, especially in clutch moments. So, you know, I, I think that as they pick them, I can understand how it's a little bit closer, but they do just have that one final feature that that really flies in the favor of them, I think. And, and the reality is that while you don't want to be one-dimensional, if they have to take the ball out of Wilson's hands and just pound the rock, that's probably going to be enough to win them a game against this Broncos offense. So Jets at plus half a point. Maybe next week against the Patriots, they'll finally be favored. Probably <laughs> not, though. We'll see. All right. The Raiders at minus seven over the Texans. That's a lot of confidence in the Las Vegas Raiders right now. I know they looked better from the eye test, but they are just they're just not winning. So seven points is a lot, Kyle. What do you mm-hmm. think, man? Yeah, um, I, I struggle with this one. I see what Vegas is doing, and I'm... I'm going to do it. So um, I'll, I'll take the I'll take the Raiders minus the seven here. I just I don't I don't like what the Texans have. I I think the only thing they have going for them is is David Pierce. And then the rest of it, it's just like, well, OK, it's not great. It's not anything impressive. And so I, I think I think the Raiders may have figured something out against the Chiefs so long as Josh Jacobs runs with the violentness he did against the Chiefs, they should be able to cover this. That's that's my only rationale for the way that that the way this line is. And that's that's the pathway for them to win. They just have to run the football and then take their shots when they're there, not go full blown pass every single time when they're more balanced. They're much better and much more of a threat. Um, offensively and so I think they they figured that out against the Chiefs and they'll and they practiced it honed that in during the bye week and I'll go with them minus seven under the assumption that that did happen even though that's one big assumption yeah I've got the Texans covering this game it's seven points is way too much did no one see how that game ended with the Raiders before their bye week 
and they're giving the Raiders a seven-point spread after seeing that. Yeah, they played the Chiefs close, but that they made some of the dumbest mistakes. They lost in the most Raider fashion I could ever see a team lose. Like that was just that was just horrible to watch play out. And the Texans in five games this season, they're four and one against the spread. They've covered in every game besides the game against the Chargers, and they were pretty close to covering that game too. They were covering it for a while late in the game before the Chargers put it out of reach. So Texans have been playing teams really closely. Like you said, Kyle, they only have really Damian Pierce as your only consistent, reliable offensive weapon, but that's a pretty good offensive weapon to rely on. Damian Pierce is playing extremely good football, and I just I have no confidence in the Raiders to be able to cover a seven-point spread. Should they win this game? Yeah, it's the Texans. They should beat the Texans. Are they going to win by seven-plus points? I don't think so. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Texans are going to play hard. It's going to be a running style football game and I think Damian Pierce is going to carry the Texans to keep it at least a close game um I don't know if I'm going to take them to win I don't know if I have that much confidence in the Texans in this game but I think I have enough in it that I think they're going to keep it within seven points seven points is too much for me it really is I think this could be fun to watch Dark Stingley Jr. against Devontae Mm -hmm. Adams I'd like to see that play out um You know, it would be fun for the NFL if the Raiders were really good in winning games. Maybe they can win a game this week and start a turnaround that will at least make them competitive towards getting into the playoffs by the end of the year so that we can just follow that storyline because the Raiders are the Raiders, right? Everybody everybody would like to see them be competitive. Except maybe, I guess, AFC West fans. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but generally speaking, there's just something about that team that, that, you know, you want to watch them be good. Watching them in the playoffs, get to the playoffs last year was was pretty fun. But the reality is minus seven is way too much confidence in a team that just kind of can't get out of their own way, you know, enough to close out a game. And the Texans have been playing teams close. The Raiders just haven't been winning. So even if they do win, it's just not going to be by that wide of a margin. So I'm comfortable taking the Texans here. Again, I don't totally expect them to win, but cover, backdoor, I'm pretty confident. The Chargers, minus five against the Seattle Seahawks. One of the more, I don't want to say disappointing teams, but kind of, yeah, versus one of the biggest surprise teams of the year so far. And they're favoring the Chargers by five at home. So this is not a divisional matchup, but it is a West Coast matchup. No team has to travel too far, so I don't think that makes that much of a difference. Seahawks fans are pretty hyped. I mean, we know the Chargers struggle to fill the stadium with home fans. Like, could this be pretty loud for the Hawks? Like, is this is this a sneaky game for the Seahawks to to outright win, even and maybe not even just cover? What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I, I this is such a strange uh, such a strange game because. It's like the the Chargers are four and two, and and yet we're I think we're all kind of like they don't really feel like that that good, but yet the record indicates something else. And then the Seahawks are literally tied for first in the NFC West because the NFC West is just straight up mediocre. Like they're everybody's three and three, and then the Cardinals winning last night made them three and four. So 
it's impossible or it's really difficult to just kind of put your mind on which team it is gonna show out here i think it'll be the chargers i'll take them minus the five i think they are the better team i think the seahawks have shown a lot of good things but again i'm i'm waiting for a a regression to come when it comes to geno smith and his play i can't imagine this continues on forever and so until that day comes i'm going to go (laughs) against it and i will take the chargers minus five and a half here um i think while i think they didn't look great against the broncos bryson mentioned it before the broncos have a really good defense that's one of the first times i've i've seen justin herbert really look flummoxed in any in all facets of what he wanted to do and trying to get accomplished offensively i think they hone it in this week and they get and they have at least enough of a game plan to win by at least a touchdown against the seahawks I've got the Seahawks covering the spread. A lot of what Max said, I think this could be, there could be a lot of Seahawks fans there. There were a lot of Bronco fans at the game against the Chargers last week. There aren't very many Chargers fans. It's just kind of the reality of that franchise's situation. They don't show up to games very much. And I think it's going to be a loud game for that offense. And let's not forget, the Chargers could have easily lost these last two games. If it wasn't for Jacoby Brissett pulling something absolutely stupid, in that game where he threw the ball into like double coverage when he, when they're in the red zone and he had a lane to run and a chance to just take a field, kick the field goal, take a one point lead late in the game. (laughs) I think the Browns beat the chargers. And if the Broncos could muster more than 15 yards of offense in overtime, the Bronc and not muff a punt on that last drive, the Broncos could Mm -hmm. have beaten the Chargers in that game. So the chargers aren't playing good football. Meanwhile, on the other side, that Seahawks offense is, playing extremely well right now geno smith is falling out of his mind i mean i'd never i've always kind of liked geno smith but i always thought of him as just a good backup to have on your team he's playing like a starting quarterback in this league and the rise of kenneth walker has been significant for that seahawks offense he looks really good for them so i think five points is too much for me i think the chargers have a chance to win but i think it could come come down to a field goal again and Dustin Hopkins is out. So who knows who's going to be kicking field goals for them this week. So I think five points is just too much for me with the way both teams are playing right now. I've got the Seahawks covering on the road. Do I expect the Chargers to maybe kind of fall into another win and just continue the positive record? Maybe that sounds disrespectful, but kind of. I kind of feel like they're going to walk away from this game five and two. Do I expect them to win resoundingly? Not really. I, I'm going to take the Seahawks here at plus five because I, th- I think it'll be a close game. And um, the Chargers just haven't done anything that makes me ultra confident in them. I'll always take the elite quarterback to win a game just because they find the way. But the Seahawks are playing too well for, for this spread. And it's not even that that big of a spread, but it's I just can't find a way to, to like, I can't find something on the chargers that's going to say this is why they will score you know at least one more full touchdown than them i just i don't see that pathway so i'm going to go with the seahawks here plus five all right i am going to set you up noah uh with an injury report for the 49ers because they are just banged up everywhere i just want to know who's expected to play i'm going to throw it to kyle and then once it gets back to me, I'm going to let Noah, you jump in with the injury report on them. 
And then if either of you guys want to change your pick based on that, you can. But I just want to give Noah a minute to actually look it up without scrambling. So, Kyle, jump into the 49ers and Chiefs plus two for the 49ers at home, knowing that the 49ers are banged up and I at least am not sure exactly who's playing yet. Yeah, you mentioned all the injuries. It is kind of, aside from that, as as Noah's waiting, uh, gathering that information, it's an interesting spot to bet on the 49ers here because Jimmy G is 19-8 and against the spread as an underdog. And and he does actually play really, really well against teams over 500. That being said, it's the amount of injuries that the 49ers have is the reason why they couldn't they couldn't figure out a way to beat the Falcons. So having that major step up in competition against a team that I thought should have beat the Bills last weekend in the Kansas City Chiefs is is really hard for me to make that turnaround or make the pick for the 49ers. So I'm going to take the Chiefs minus two. Um, I'm not sure if any of the injuries are going to move me off of that position. I just think the Chiefs are understand that they let one get away last weekend, and I don't think they want to drop two games in two games in a row, especially when they know the Chargers are are neck and neck with them, and they have to be really, really good to stay in com- competition for the number one seed and the only buy in the NFL playoff in the uh, AFC playoffs. I'm going to take the Niners to cover this thing. I know they have a ton of injuries, but this is arguably the best defense in football. As long as Bosa plays, this is one of the best, if not the best defense in football. And one thing that Kyle Shanahan's offenses know how to do, it's keep the better quarterback off the field. They run the ball extremely well. They have such long drives that just make it so you're off the other team's offense just doesn't come onto the field very much. I think it could be a lower scoring game than people think because of that. I think the Niners are just going to run the you know what out of the ball and with the trade of Christian McCaffrey, there is a chance he plays this week. It's not going to be a huge role. He's not going to get a ton of carries, but Christian just needs one big play to make a huge impact. You know, for, I read a report that he could just be used in a lot of red zone packages where he's going to get the ball in space, get the ball out of the backfield as a receiver, whatever the case may be. The Niners just have so many of these players who are great running the football and catching the football that their offense is so dynamic and they just find ways to score points. Even with, I'm not the biggest Jimmy Garoppolo fan, but he just moves that offense so extremely well that I think against this Chiefs defense, which isn't a very great defense, I think they're going to have some successes there. And I think they're going to they're going to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is going to have at least one of these turnovers that he tries to play Superman and just throws tries to find, you know, Travis Kelsey on the run, back, like throwing against the grain, all that kind of stuff and he's one's going to end up in the 49ers hands at home with this defense. I have the Niners covering and winning the game. All right, Noah. Do you have the final injury report for us? Yep, we got we got Thursday's injury report. And starting off with the guys who did not participate, safety Talanoa Hufanga. Did I say that right? Yep. Uh, yep. So he got a concussion last game, so uh, he did not participate. And if I know the NFL concussion protocol correctly, <laughs> he needs like 
two practices, right? One semi-contact and one contact, so he will not go. We got cornerback Charvarius Ward. He was did not participate on Thursday either, and neither did defensive lineman Eric Armstead. Moving on to limited practices, Nick Bosa is limited again. Defensive lineman Samson Ibukam is limited again. Defensive lineman Drake Jackson. Right tackle Mike McGlinchey. He w- was, did not practice on Wednesday, but was limited on Thursday. And they're saying there's a good sign that he will play on Sunday, along with uh, Ibukam. And then defensive back Jimmy Ward and Trent Williams were also went from do not practicing to limited. Okay. So that, yeah. The guys that transitioned from did not practice to limited, it's probably a sign that they're going to be in this game. Um, Hufanga's a big loss. He's been playing extremely, extremely well. He's the kind of player that would that would really make a big difference against a quarterback like, like uh, Patrick Mahomes. The fact that Jimmy Ward looks like he might play, that helps. That does help quite a bit. Hmm. This is really hard. Yes. I'm not going to lie. This is, I mean, this is a difficult game. I... Who... Hey, does anybody know what the line was before CMC got traded over there? Because I bet it wasn't just plus two. I bet it's shifted overnight. I got I got them at plus three. Yeah, I think it was three. So moved a little bit. Not that much, huh? Okay. Well, look, I mean, I would say that the, the Chiefs need to go back and study all of the plays that Christian McCaffrey has run over the past how many years? Because Shanahan is he's not going to say, no, you have to run our plays. He's going to go back and find what worked. And start and run that immediately. Like this team has been together for long enough that they are going to be able to insert plays quickly, I think. So this is such a wild card matchup. Noah, thanks for the injury update. And oh man, oh man. I mean, this is the rematch <laughs> from the Super Bowl. The 49ers are out for blood, and that. I mean, oh, I don't know how I can pick this game. I want to take the underdog at home. I guess I, I, I'm going against my own rule of always picking the elite quarterback. And I have this bad feeling that it's going to come back to bite me. Uh, but that 49ers defense is so good and so fun. And if Nick Bosa is out there, then I'll just roll with him. All right. That's going to take us to Sunday night football. The return of <laughs> Kyle. All right. The Sunday Night Football, we have the Miami Dolphins minus seven with the return of Tua Tungavailoa over the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Dolphins are on a seven-game, seven-game, a three-game losing streak. The Pittsburgh Steelers just knocked off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, I mean, in terms of trending, not exactly what you would, would expect for a minus seven spread for the home team, but the return of the quarterback is obviously huge. There's a lot of storylines around his concussion and what that means for him and how safe it is. You know, I have specific concerns, which I've kind of mentioned before, and I'll, I'll cover in just a second. But Kyle, how are you feeling about this game? Yeah, I, I, I probably share those same concerns about about like why on like how to is even playing again this season. So uh, those aside, 
with him playing, I mentioned before how we're making a big assumption that that the uh, that the Cowboys were going to have this massive uh, boost by Dak Prescott return. That's we're kind of making that same assumption here with Tua returning. And I would say this, although the offense has looked good with Tua this year, that's still going to be an adjustment in terms of just getting back into the rhythm of things, being able to be on the field and and also protect him, trying to protect himself, knowing about the recent injury history. So I I don't feel great picking the Steelers because I know that their offense is can go from great to absolutely awful in a matter of seconds. But I'm going to take the Steelers plus seven here. I just think there's a lot of unknowns with Miami. They haven't proven to be able to protect anybody that great. And and who knows? We're not even sure if Tua can survive a full game at this point right mm-hmm. now. So I, I feel just taking the Steelers plus seven would be the play here. And and hopefully Tua makes it through this game this time. Yeah, I've also got the Steelers covering this game. I don't know if they're going to win, but I've got them at least covering this game. One thing that really scares me with the Dolphins, did you guys see the quote uh, Tua had about how he remembers everything about that night up until the hit? He doesn't remember going on the cart, doesn't remember going to the hospital, doesn't remember anything from that night after he got hit, which just absolutely terrifies me. No one with that drastic of a memory loss for a full day should be back this this season at all like that's terrifying for me um and like Kyle said they can't really block anyone the Dolphins can't run the football which isn't going to help them at all in that scenario and their receiving core is banged up Jalen Waddles dealing with a shoulder injury um Tyreek was dealing with like a foot injury I don't know how well he's recovering from that but he's been dealing with that so far this season the Steelers aren't great by any means obviously I mean that offense is pretty rough to watch sometimes but I think they're going to be just good enough to keep it within a seven-point spread. I don't think either of these teams are good enough or bad enough to make a seven-point spread seem logical, in my opinion. I think Vegas boosted this up because of the Tua return, but how good is Tua really going to be after missing all this time? It's, I think it's going to be a rough first go for Tua again. He's going to be, I think, a little gun-shy. I think he's going to try really hard to not hang in the pocket as long as he normally would. Um, which is going to lead to more opportunities for the Steelers to get the football. It's going to lead to more three and outs. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, and I think I've got the um, Steelers covering this thing. Yeah, there are a couple of key injuries here um, and and trending in one direction versus the other Mm -hmm. that makes me lean more to the Steelers than I already was anyway. First of all, this is a mistake. It's it just is a mistake, and even if he gets out of this game healthy, that doesn't mean it was a good decision. Like this, I'm going on the record. This is a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Their offensive line is not good. In fact, it's it's pretty awful. I know they don't have T.J. Watt. At least I don't think he's scheduled to play this game because if he was, I bet the line would be closer. But they do have Alex Highsmith, Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi. Lyle, uh, um, uh, the rookie, what's his name? Um, DeMarvin Leal. So, I mean, this defensive line is very good, especially on the interior. 
The Dolphins do not have Terran Armstead coming back this week. Mm-hmm. At least last I saw, he's not expected to play. This is going to be a problem. Tua is not going to have time in the pocket, and I know he gets the ball out quickly, but I am scared to watch this game. I Because it's primetime, I'll probably watch it live, but my if people listen to every single one of these shows, I've said this before, this is a game I would prefer to not watch live and just watch after the fact if I know nothing bad happens. I have yeah. just a really bad feeling in my stomach about this game. It just I don't I'm not comfortable with it. Minka Fitzpatrick is slated to come back. I mean, I know that the spread is big because Hill and Waddle are both there and they have absolutely gone off when Tua was in the game. Still this is not really that Dolphins team. And maybe they win. Maybe they get out of this game with no further injury to Tua. But seven is a big spread for, you know, uh, going up against a defense like the Steelers. I think that, I think they're still a good defense. And I think they, they still have an opportunity to be a very good defense, especially once TJ Watt gets back. But I think plus seven there is a little bit, I don't want to use the word disrespectful, but I think, I think it's a little bit silly, to be honest. So the Steelers are my pick for Sunday night football, at least against the spread. And that'll do it for us. So let's go ahead and check out the standings from last week so that I can shout everybody out. Um, Looks like overall I'm a few points behind uh, the red beard, Mm -hmm. which is um, uh, Rowan. So Rowan's in the lead with 48 and a half. I'll just say forget it. Forget about that extra point or whatever. I'm not going to spend the entire season trying to remember that point. I'll forget about it at some point, so I might as well just do it now. So I've got 45 and a half. So I'm in second place behind three plus half a point on Chris. I'm a couple, couple of points on you, Kyle. And then Bryson, you're at 39 there. So you're definitely within striking distance as we have more than half of the season left. Does that include you missing an entire week of picks on this? I don't think so. I don't think my week one picks are in. Okay, so I think that means that you're probably pretty darn close to us because I don't remember what you had week one, but we can't just ignore an entire week of picks. So you're you're yeah, right I'd there. To, I'd I had to go back and look. I know week one was a pretty rough week for a lot of us, so yeah. I, I would imagine he's probably somewhere sandwiched between me and you, Max. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. We'll double check, but but... If I have to go back and listen to the to to the week one picks show at the end of the year just to double check, I, I will. But yeah, it, we're we're right neck and neck with everybody. So that's just for the entire season, and then for week six individually, let's see how we did. Uh, Bryson killing it. You had ten, nice. Yeah, so you gained some ground on us mm-hmm. this past week. I had eight. Kyle, you had six. So Bryson led with ten. The Redbeard had nine. Redbeard was winning for a couple of weeks in a row there, and he returns with another good week. So, you know, Chris Gomer or Shomer, I'm honestly not sure how to say that. Sorry, Chris. Um, Tyler, uh, you guys are both at eight. Um, P. Tomps, eight. Or P. Tomps is at six. Okay, so that's that's what the leaderboard looks like for this week. But, yeah, neck and neck race. Um, big week by Bryson to put himself back in the race. The red beard continues to lead the entire thing, but we're all we're all right there. Okay, guys, I'm gonna throw it to you so that you can shout out where people can find you, and that's gonna do it for our live stream today. Kyle, let everybody know. Yep, I can be found on Twitter at 
Kyle underscore Nishida, and then all my works on Gridiron Heroics. Beautiful. And Bryson? You can find me on Twitter at, at BrysonOwen16. It's B-R-I-S-O-N. And you can see my work both on Gridiron Heroics and on the Denver Sports Betting website. Right on. Okay, guys. Let's play that outro. Big thanks to Noah Ashley, our producer. Yes, and thank you for listening to our Week 7 Picks Against the Spread. Hopefully we got some live stream viewers. I'll check that out for the fact soon. Next week we'll get a little bit more interaction going. Um, but this is our first week streaming, so we're kind of just getting through that. You can find me on Twitter at TheMaxDean. And the Gridiron Heroics Football Show is available on all podcast platforms. Finally up to date with that. And, of course, on YouTube now. We will be back Monday live streaming with Kyron Samuels to go over every... Not every, but we're going over the Week 7 uh, slate as our recap. And, of course, you can find that at 11 a.m. Eastern. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll see you all very soon.